Can you all put our hands together and welcome Stan, even as he comes to share God's word. Good afternoon. How are you guys doing? Give me a few seconds, yeah, until I settle down. And the slides are also playing up, so. Yeah, how many of you guys were there on Friday? at Pastor Nikki's session, right? Prior to that, I was already trembling in fear, to be honest. And then Pastor Nikki prayed over me, and I continued to tremble. So I don't know whether it's the fear or it's the Holy Spirit that is, you know, moving. But I just want to say thank you, Pastor Clinton, for your kind words and uh, for even trusting me. Must be, you must be really brave <laughs> to give me this place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you allow me some grace, I'm going to pull myself together. Uh, I haven't done this before. This is my first time on stage preaching. You know, when you're singing, you're behind the mic, you're behind the instrument. Uh, you know, you can hide yourself. But uh, this is the first time I'm going to stand here. And I told Pearl I need one hour. But uh, <laughs> she took more time. Just kidding. Let's just pray. Let's pray and then we'll begin. Father God, we just thank you for this afternoon. Thank you for every heart, every soul that is here, Father God. We just pray, God, that you will speak through me, that your word will be released, Father God, that your word will be a light that will be shown into their paths, Father God, and it will speak right into their situation, wherever they are at, Father God, however busyness with their workload and everything, but Father God, I pray, whether they're here in this hall or whether they're listening later through a podcast, I pray, God, that your word will speak right into their hearts. Amen? Amen. Amen. How many of us believe that God still reigns? God is still on the throne? Do we believe? He reigns over our lives. He reigns over our jobs, our marriage, our situation. In every place, He reigns, right? So we need to really acknowledge Him all the time, right? We need to testify. We need to acknowledge that He reigns over our lives because He's the head of our family, our church, our community. So we need to keep acknowledging that He is, you know, He reigns over us. This year, me and my wife, my beautiful wife, we celebrated our 10th year anniversary. It is a milestone. Can you guys hear me? Can you guys hear me? I'm clear? Okay. It's a milestone, right? 10th year. Is it a bronze? Bronze celebration? Yeah, so she really pushes me out of my comfort zone. I'm a very shy person, right? But she always keeps pushing me. She's my pillar of strength and my backbone. Uh, so for those of you who know my family, that's great. For some of you guys, we have two young boys, Zach and Zane. They've had, uh, Zach is seven and Zane is four. They've had prophetic words over their lives. So it is our duty as parents to keep pushing them, to encourage them, to pray over them, and to allow God to do what he's about to do in their lives. So we take the responsibility of doing that. All right? I'm going to start with a lighter note. I'm going to share a, a, a story. There was a couple who celebrated their... 50th anniversary. It was a golden jubilee, right? So they had a celebration, and he brought all his friends and family together to celebrate with him. And um, one of the guys, the guests over there, he asked, like, hey, what is the secret of your 50 years togetherness, you know, your marriage, your golden jubilee? So the man said, like, hey, there's this place that we visited for our honeymoon, and we really fell in love with this place. So every year we made sure that we are going to this place and we are being together in this place every single year. So that's what we did for our 10th year anniversary. That's what we did for our silver 
And uh, guessing everyone said, like, so that's what you might have done for your golden, because you wouldn't miss the opportunity, right? We said, yes. Anything different for your golden jubilee? Did you do anything extra? But the man said, this time I decided to bring her back along with me. <laughs> One more? Right. Two ladies died, and they went to heaven. So Peter was receiving them at the, at the inner gates of heaven. So Peter said, ladies, welcome. Today is your orientation day. Right? You can do anything you want, you can have fun, but never step on a duck, he said. There's only one rule, never step on a duck. So everything was going fine. One week later, Peter comes, he finds that one of the ladies, she stepped on a duck. Right? So she, he, Peter brings a very not good-looking man, and he chains them together. He said, Peter says that I'm going to chain you together for eternity because you stepped on a duck. Right? Looking at that, the other lady got very, very scared. She started being very cautious. So another week went by, and Peter came back to her, and he chained her with a very good-looking man, very attractive, ripped guy like me. No, <laughs> like me, yeah? <laughs> Guys, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm funny, yeah, so you have to get used to me. So uh, very ripped-looking guy, and this lady didn't know what to do. She was like, I don't know what I did in life to, you know, to stand beside this very good-looking man. She kept, you know, blabbering and telling him the same thing. So this man was, you know, he was quiet for some time. And then he said, lady, I don't know what you did, but I just stepped on a duck. <laughs> At some point, I need to press this. Is it working? All right, cool. So jokes aside, I think we need to come into the story now, the message. So this month, we are on a sermon series called... Don't stop believing. Okay. You got to believe. All right. Should I? Are you, no, it's not working. Okay, cool. Cool. And the title of my message today is Pursue Your Calling. Right? Just simply keep walking towards your calling which God has ordained or promised over your life. So Pastor Clinton really gave a beautiful message last week. Uh, on the subject, don't stop believing. So I'm just continuing you know, on the series this month. So Mark chapter 9, verses 23, it says that all things are possible for those who believe in him, right? And in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, it says that for I can do things to Christ who strengthens me, right? Uh, so don't look up for slides. I'm just going to keep this down, not distracted. Um, Abraham and Sarah... They had a child in their old age. You all know the story. Because they had the audacity to trust in his word. Even in their old age, they did have a child because God promised and he did it for them. Right? Joseph moved from a pit into becoming the second in charge of, with Pharaoh all over Egypt because there was a promise spoken over his life. If you read in Matthew chapter 14, it says that Peter walked on water at the command of Jesus. When he said, Peter, step out of the boat and come towards me, Peter believed in Jesus and he walked on water, right? So there is a promise and when you act on it, it's going to be released. If you, I love the story of Peter walking on water. So today's message I'm going to base, uh, you know, based on Peter's, you know, walking on water uh, story in Matthew chapter 14. If you see the life cycle of a believer, it starts from giving your life to Christ, which involves, you know, you surrendering, transformation happens, there's a renewing of mind, and the next stage is walking in the footsteps of Jesus, 
We try to follow God's promises. We read the word, we pray to him, we follow his promises. The next stage is we ultimately becoming, we try to become, become like Jesus in the image and the likeness of God. Not many people get into the third stage. You know, they always like stop and like wandering in the second stage. But Peter was so passionate. He fell in love with Jesus that he wanted to do anything. When, imagine there was a storm. I'm going to go into that verse now. He wanted to do anything to be with Jesus, to listen to his voice, to be around Jesus because he was madly, he was passionately in love with Jesus. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, it says that be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So we're going to read this passage. There's, there's no slides. So I'm going to just read it out, but hear me out. It's just a story, yeah? And that's what is there in the passage. So I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 14, verses 25 to 32. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Right? But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Peter says, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. While the other disciples were arguing, they said, it's a ghost, right? But Peter was not afraid. Peter heard Jesus' voice. I don't know about you. I'm scared of darkness. I'm scared of the dark. I don't know about you. If I saw a ghost, I'm not having a conversation with the ghost. My wife will vouch for that. I don't watch horror movies. I don't uh, like to, you know, be in stress. You know, when you want to entertain yourself, you want to enjoy yourself, you don't want to, like, you know, sit and watch a horror movie sitting at the edge of your seat. It's not me, right? While the other guys were, while the other disciples were arguing and, you know, trying to find out what's, what's going on and who's this guy who's walking on water, Peter recognized his voice because he's madly in love with Jesus, right? And I'm just, like, picturing this, this scene, like, other guys are fighting or, like, you know, talking, but Peter is stepping out of the boat. God, is this you? If it's you, I'm walking towards you. Tell me now, I'm going to come, right? And Peter also recognized Jesus' One-liners. Do you know Jesus is very cool? He's trendy. He's urban. He's, he uses one-liners. It is I, he said. It is who? It is I. Who, who knows who? But Peter knew, and he said, it is I. And Jesus also said, don't be afraid. Take courage. Like very basic lines. But Peter could recognize Jesus' voice because he was passionately in love with Jesus. In those days, the nights were divided into four watches from 6 to 9 p.m., from 9 to 12 noon, 12 midnight, 12 to 3, and 3 to 6, right? Four different watches. And the Bible says that Jesus walked on water during the fourth watch. Another uh, translation says that Jesus walked at 3 a.m. in the morning. 3 a.m. is like the darkest time before it reaches dawn, right? So at the darkest time, Jesus walked on water. If we, you and I realize, Peter did not walk on water during a walk-on-water seminar. 
There was no conference. Did you? There was nothing special happening. It was just a normal day. Jesus went up to the mountain because he heard that John the Baptist was beheaded. So he went up to the mountain to be in a very quiet place. And then the crowd followed him. And then what he did? He just felt compassionate over the crowd. He fed the 5,000 all in sequence. Yeah? And then he said, finally, I'm going to rest. And then he went up to the mountain to pray. And then while he's coming back, I don't know what happened, but he went into the water. He started walking towards the disciples to take a shortcut. You know, so you and I, we, we might not be having an opportunity like Peter didn't have an opportunity with a seminar, conference, nothing. You and I, we don't have an opportunity to walk on water. Sometimes we say, no, if you have faith like a mountain, uh, faith like a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Have you ever seen people moving mountains? No, right? It is possible with God, but we have to bring it into our context. So there was no seminar happening. So you and I are walking on our financial situations. You and I are walking over our sickness. Maybe us, maybe our family, our friends, or maybe, you know, someone that, he, someone that we know. You and I are walking over our depressions and anxieties. And he says, yo, I'm there. It is I. I'm there with you. Right? So we got to believe that. Jesus says that on, over the darkest time, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., whatever, the, the dawn, you know, the fourth watch, over our darkest time, he's on top of the water. He's on top of our situation. Whatever problems we might have, but he's on top of it. During our coldest times, when no one is around, I had somebody who went through a brain tumor, he said that when everybody was around, but he still, still felt very alone. Because in that moment, it is between you, you're helpless, you know. In our coldest moments, he's still around to come, pick us up, and put us back on the boat. That's what he's there for. He's just beside us. And, you know, I read this somewhere that sometimes, like, you know, you wait for so long, and then you turn to Jesus, and then you realize that Jesus was always, like, looking at you, waiting for you to, you know, look at him. You know, the Bible says that it is I, what we read, it is I in Matthew chapter 14. I am your healer. I am your peace. I am, don't be afraid. He says that I am the same God from the burning bush. I am the same God who split the sea. I am with you, right? That's what we need to realize, that he's always waiting for us. He's over the storm. He's above the storm. You know, our man Thomas, he has a nickname, nickname right? What is it? Doubting Thomas, poor guy, poor guy, yeah. Our, Tom, our man Thomas was watching all of this and he still doubted Jesus. Sometimes we could be laughing at Thomas of his behavior and, you know, like celebrating with his nickname. You know, when somebody has a nickname, we want to celebrate that. Woo, very good. But in our current circumstances, we look at the wave of fear, we look at the wave of insecurity, we look at the wave of infertility, yeah? And we always fear. So there is no difference between Thomas and us, all right? So we got to start focusing on Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And I look to Jesus, who is the champion of my faith. That's what we need to declare. So we can either focus on fear or the one who is with us. All right, drives me to my first point. God's promises are yes and amen. 
God uses situations in our life to deal with the issues that we've been tangling ourselves with. Issues that has been like stopping us, pulling us down, and reaching us to the destiny where God has planned and ordained for us. You know, whenever we are in a, in a bad situation, what we do is that we don't realize, you know, what, what we are going through when we throw a fit. We try to make an alliance of, you know, petty, uh, you know, we want some comforting words from people, you know, that I'm going through this, all of this. But we don't realize that God has put us in that situation for a, for a purpose. He wants us to walk through that situation. We don't realize that. And what is God trying to teach through that situation, we don't realize. In 2006, um, I went abroad to study. And as a student, I was allowed to work part-time. So very confidently, I told my parents that you just pay for my first semester fee. I will go there, work hard, get my you know, pocket money for my living expense and pay the rest of my semester fee. I went there, and four months, there was no job for me. And I still remember there was one lady from a supermarket. Her name is Nicole. And she said that I have a job, but it's a very hard labor job. And uh, unfortunately, it's to work in a freezer. So I said, I don't have an option. I'm going to take this up. And I proved to her, I just carried my friend along who was standing next to me. He must be 90 kilos. He ca I carried him. And I said, like, I need this job. I will work hard, you know. So I took this up. And my work started at 5 a.m. in the morning. And I left home at 3.30 or 4 in the morning because it was a one and a half hour travel to this freezer. Brings me back memories, you know. 5 a.m. to 2 p.m. in the afternoon, I worked in a freezer, right? Weeks went, days went, months went. I started to realize that God wouldn't bring me here to punish me. I didn't do anything wrong, you know? I th started thinking that there must be a reason for me to be in this place. I started asking God, why am I here, God? Speak to me. And only one word I heard him say that, I am with you. I worked in the freezer for three years, no grumbling. I was the happiest person during that three years of my life, the most joyful person being a student working in a freezer from 5 a.m. to 2 p.m. in the afternoon, never grumble because I knew that there was a plan, you know? If you know about working in the freezer, it's such a difficult task. You know, when you're working in a, in a fast-paced environment and your hands are frozen, you hit somewhere in the most painful time, you know, but I still never grumbled. I said, God, I'm gonna do this because you have, and you're building me for something great, right? How many of us complain of heat, right? The other day, I was walking uh, Zach to the grocery store, and I was telling him, Zach, do you feel hot? How are you feeling comfortable? I said, yeah, it's a little bit bad, Dada. But I told him, Zach, you know, you can't complain of heat and summer. You know why? He asked, why, Dada? I said, because it is a season which God has created, right? And we can never complain. Sometimes we don't realize that it is a creation of God. If you're grumbling against it, we are actually grumbling against the system and the way he has created this universe. So never grumble, never grumble about heat or cold and stuff, just like survive with it. Keep walking towards and enjoy his creation. Uh, one of the words that is, you know, a band in my home is the word hate, right? I keep telling this to the kids and my wife as well. Like you can, sometimes you, you know, in that excitement, you're like, oh, I hate this. Or, you know, in that angry situation, you might say, I hate this. But the word hate is not there in the Bible. The word hate is the opposite of the word love. Hate means the extreme, right? It is the opposite of the word love. Bible is all about love. Everywhere it says about love. Jesus is love. He says, love your neighbor. Love yourself. 
So the word hate should not be in your vocabulary, right? We don't realize that. Okay. So you and I are constantly reminded, we need to remind ourselves of our identity, of who we are in Christ. It's very important. I'm just going to quickly rush into my next point as well. Um, So the first point is, God's promises are yes and amen. His promises over our lives are yes and amen. And his promises will never return void. I'll just share this. If he promised to make you a head and not the tail, it cannot be any other way. It cannot be, right? If he's promised to go before you and make your crooked path straight, it cannot be any other way. If he's promised to bless you from Zion, it cannot change. If he, says, if he said that by his stripes that you are healed, it cannot be any other way. You know why? If God promises something, he is obliged to do it. If not, he would be a lie, and the whole word of God will become untrue. Right? So if he's promised something over your life, it is going to be yes and amen, and it is going to come to pass. The second word is, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If you understand the concept, the battle with the enemy is not with us. His battle is with Jesus. All he's trying to do is to distract us from just listening to his voice, from understanding God's plan, from doing whatever God has planned for you over your life. So he keeps talking. He's a talker. He wants to prove God wrong. In Psalms chapter 23, Psalm 23, we all know, right? We all read very well Psalm 23. Everyone, you know, memorizes it. I love this verse where it says, He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It says enemies, not enemy. Maybe now the enemies have got a family and it's expanded. (laughs) Enemies. now. We're always looking at like one person will come to attack us. No, it's a bunch, it's a group. In the presence of my enemies, right? So God has got this beautiful table from Marina Furniture, and he's prepared a very lovely meal for us and put it on the table. And he's pulled a chair and sitting and waiting for us to come to the table. You know what the enemy does? He also has the audacity to pull another chair and sit next to us on the table, and he wants to start talking. Many a times... We don't realize that the enemy keeps talking wherever there is a need. He's got his mission. He wants to accomplish his mission of distracting us from God's plan for for not helping us to see the master plan which God has over our lives. Come on, we got to fight over our lives. We don't allow the enemy to speak into our lives. We don't allow doubts to ride over his promises. He is a liar. And uh, do you remember the song, I See the Evidence of His Goodness? Because we need to keep reminding ourselves that I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, right? I see your promises in fulfillment all over my life. So when there is a negativity from this person, we need to start feeding ourselves with God's word, right? That's going to fight. That's going to stop us from hearing this voice. Peter was fine until he started doubting himself and his truth in his trust in God. Noah in the Bible, 
Man, this person Noah, I'm, I, can't, I can't imagine if what Noah would have done. He would have heard a million voices, right? From all over the world, he would have heard a million voices uh, over his life. Imagine if Noah was there in this century, right? First of all, he would have lost his job because of the media pressure and the paparazzis. He would have lost his job. Monday, he can't go to work. He lost his job. Second thing is that activists shouting, oh, you can't put the monkeys and the donkeys together. You can't put the cats and the lions together. And thirdly, you can't put the chickens in the cage because they got to run free. Free range chicken. So many voices. <laughs> so many voices. But God said, Noah, build a boat. It's going to rain. He just heard God's voice. He kept going. He kept going. Don't allow the enemy a seat on your table. Just keep walking. You heard God say something, a prophetic word over your life. Keep walking towards your calling. Amen? Peter had his eyes fixed on Jesus. My third point is fix your eyes on Jesus. In this verse, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Pastor Clinton, I'm bringing it to a close. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses, church, family, friends, like um, witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Now it, they related to Jesus. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding the shame, the pain. Now he is seated. The reward is now he's seated on the throne beside our heavenly God. I love this beautiful passage. Paul says that strip off every weight, every weight, Everyone's weight is different. Pastor, my element. Pastor, I finish work at 8 p.m. in the night. I don't have much time. Sunday is the only day that I'm sleeping, Pastor. So sorry. And I came. One day I came, Pastor. There was so much traffic because of this new temple you know, that they opened. I went back, Pastor. I wanted to go back to my bed. Strip off everything that is coming in between. But when your tap is closed, you know, the blessing stopped to flow. Right. Then there is a text message to Pastor. Pastor, do we have a prayer team in the house? <laughs> Just checking, Pastor. You know, my, my job is a little bit difficult. The tap is closed now. Nothing is happening. Nothing coming. <laughs> Pastor, you need to pray for me. You need to pray for me. That also they can't do themselves. Too lazy. Can't come to church. Can't do... I'm so sorry. But... <laughs> They need a prayer support from somebody else. They will reach out to every prayer group. Sister, pray for my breakthrough. I need this. I need. I will go back to Jesus. I will give my tithe. I will do everything now. Please pray for me. Just that change I need. Just one touch I need. Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Endurance is a battle in itself. Right? It is hard to, uh, you know, eat, right? For some people like me, it is hard to even start eating right. Forget about the continuation. Make it to church on Sundays. Make it to, uh, you know, serving on team. It says about that, uh, you know, we need to run a race with endurance. 
consistency, you know, and keep on doing this. Peter didn't show off that he could do like Jesus, but he wanted to get to Jesus. He was just passionate about Jesus. By looking at Jesus above the storm, he just wanted to become like Jesus. You and I are disturbed by financial market, petrol prices, cryptocurrency. When I also put some in cryptocurrency, not an example, but just, you know, just going in the flow. But you and I are so, like, you know, worried about all of these things. One thing is to fix your eyes on Jesus because it is possible through Christ. Sometimes we feel that, you know, okay, after I take a step, Jesus is now taking me on a, uh, what do you say, like a cab, a mixed cab. Whoever surrenders to me, jump onto the cab, I'm taking you to that gate and explore yourself. No. He said he's going to walk through with you, along with you, escort you to reach the destiny. He's not going to go and drop you off there. Desert safari, you know, you go and drop you, go to the camp and enjoy. They will take care of you. Don't know. He's going to walk along with you. When you're in a need, he says that just call on my name. I'm going to answer to you. Right? So that's what he does. Jesus is looking for a willingness than a competence. No competition. Peter says, Lord, save me. I'm, I'm drowning. Lord, save me. He likes the humility which Peter has, not his ability to do things. He's not fascinated by all of that. He is more looking for your humility to say, Lord, just ask Jesus, and he's going to help. He's going to give us the strength to do it. He doesn't need your perfect version of you. He's not looking for the CEO in you. You don't have to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I know to do Excel. I know to do this and that, please, you know. But still, help me. No, no, he's not looking for anything from you. He just says, humbly, come, call me, and I'm going to help you. No presentation skills uh, required. Just come as you are, he says. Ask the Lord, if you're willing to trust him, say something sooner. Say something before you're distracted. Say something before you hit the porn button. Say something before you are tempted to doing something. Just shout. Just call on his name. Say something before you are just getting drowned into that situation. If Peter didn't call on Jesus, he would have drowned. But when he said, Jesus, help me, he was there ready to hold his hand, put him back on the boat. Are you with me? Fix your eyes on Jesus. You might have had words spoken over your life, lives, and we got to hold on to it. You know, sometimes we are in doubt, but we need to hold on to the promises that is spoken over our lives. In closing, I just want to share my personal, you know, journey. We, me and my friend, along with the other group, we went for a prophetic school. And my friend said, one day driving back from church, just going over to their place, and she said that, uh, Stan, I have a prophetic word for you. So we're like, we are always like, you know, exchanging prophetic words. But she said that, Stan, I see that you are becoming the worship leader of this church. I was like, whoa, that's too big. I was just playing keyboard, you know, in the background. And I never wanted to be in that position. I never like aimed for it or anything. She said that, Stan, I see that you're leading worship. My voices in my head is like, I really love my worship leader. I don't want to take his place. You know, second thing is like, you don't even like sing. What do you do? You play keys. How are you going to be there? All of these voices speaking from the enemy. 
But I came, I dropped her and I came back to the car. All I said was, God, it's not about me. But if you, God, have a plan for me to become a worship leader, I will surrender. I will take steps. Not like I'm desiring God, but because you spoke that over my life. Sometimes, you know, when you're hearing prophetic words, you try to see the credibility of that person. I did that. Maybe she's practicing. <laughs> I did that. And then later when pastor came to me and asked me, you know, like, Stan, would you like to lead the worship team? I was suggesting names. Why don't you look at this person? Why don't you? And then, you know, I heard God saying, like, just relax. Just relax. Everything is a step by step, and the things will happen. And then he made me the worship leader. Another story is that in 2017, I think, I was playing keyboard. I was not even a worship leader or a pastor. I was just playing keyboard. No echo, yeah? Playing keyboard in a prophetic conference, right? And like I said, like, I like to just, like, finish, go, come, like, you know, very quiet. And, and uh, I finished the worship, and I was trying to go there. And the pastor called me and said, Stan, I have a word for you. He said, I see that you finished worship, one of the services, and when you're going down, you're not going down to sit there, but you take the mic and you preach the word, he said. I didn't believe that time, but I went back home, same like that, that day. I went back home, said, Lord, if that is you, right, bring that to pass, and I will do anything for your will to happen in my life. And today is the day that the prophetic word has come true, right? It has come true. So if you have words spoken over your life, don't stop believing. It is impossible with our strength. It is impossible with our world that we live in. It is so challenging. But when you shout out to Jesus, when you call on him, he's there to walk with us. Right? All eyes closed. Father, we just thank you for every person who is here, Father God. Thank you for the words that are spoken over their lives. Thank you for the beautiful plan that you have in their lives, Father God. Made with love, made with passion, Father God. We just speak, Father God, that anything that is hindering things, obstructing in their lives, Father God, will be released in the mighty name of Jesus. That there will be a fresh anointing, Father God that there will be a flow, Father God, that they will never be distracted, but they will keep walk, walking towards the call and the destiny that you have in their lives. In your name we pray this prayer. Amen. Come on, you guys can do better than that. How many of you want to, how many of you feel Stan needs to preach again? <laughs> next week, next week. <laughs> Man, such an amazing word.